else. So we just record here. Recording in progress. Okay. Shalom ubracha. Wow. We're now still within the three weeks. And as we get closer to the nine days, it gets more intensified. Rav Nosani explains the nine days, starting from Rosh Chodesh to Tisha B'Av, they in a way correspond to what we're going to see coming up, the nine chambers. There's nine chambers which are created, which allow you to perceive the infinite light. And the way to receive the nine chambers, to create them, is by being bounced back. So the bounce back due to the nine days, starting from Rosh Chodesh, where there's more restrictions of mourning, and you're not allowed to do this, and not allowed to do that, it's even harder. So all that is meant to allow you to build vessels to perceive the infinite light, Bezat Hashem, okay? And that leads up to Tubev, where it says in the Gemara that one of the happiest days of the year was Tubev. So the Simcha, that's the goal, is, is a result also of the... In other words, after making these nine chambers, by being bounced back and, and taking them positively, we come to a higher level of Simcha. That's one thing. Another thing, that when a person sees... They're being hit from all corners. They're being hit from out in Avodat Hashem. They're being hit and financially in Shalom Bayit issues, in Chinuch issues, in Shiduchim issues, and every all the issues that they're going through. Okay. Uh, the solution is, it's not like you know I'm not supposed to be going through this. You are supposed to be going through this. Hashem sent it to you now. And what's the solution? It's what it says in Echa. It says in Echa, Dom. Be silent and wait for the salvation of Hashem. There are times in life when there's nothing you can do. You're going through crazy, crazy pressure. And all you can do is just wait. And while you're waiting, you feel like you're being purged. I'm learning now uh, Rav Nossin's autobiography of his trip to the Eretz Yisrael, his journey to, to, to visit the Holy Land. And he goes into details of all the confusions and all the tsar, the pain and the, the agbat nefesh, the, the difficulties he went through on the way. So he says, for example, that when he was in Istanbul, okay, there was a law. They had what's called a billet. A billet is like a type of a visa card that allows you to travel. But they had a law that the, the visa is only good up to the next country, and the next country you have to go to the consulate where you came from, and they renew it for the next leg of the journey. And if necessary, they translate it into the language of the country that you're going into. So of Nosin, he left Russia, Ukraine, Russia, but he, when he was born, he was considered a citizen of Austria, because at the time, Nemirov, which was Western, uh, Central Western Ukraine, belonged under the Austrian Empire, the Austro-Hungarian Empire, okay? So Rav Nosin was technically considered an Austrian citizen, and his billet, his travel visa, was made like on behalf of an Austrian citizen. So when he got to Istanbul, the, the, the captain of the ship, the law was that he has to take all the visas, and dropped them off at the corresponding uh, consulates. So he dropped it off at the, the Austrian consulate in Istanbul. So they went <coughs> to pick up the visa, the billet, it's called in Yiddish, and to get a new one for the next leg of the journey. And the guy said, I can't read the signature, and I can't read, uh, I can't, re I can't, 
decipher if the stamp is the official stamp of Austria because everything is metushtash, everything is blurry. And also the person who wrote out the visa wrote it in Russian. I can't read Russian. <coughs> so he said you have to go. The secretary of the, of the consulate told him you have to go and find somebody to translate it into, uh, into uh, Austrian that I can read it and everything. So he went to find somebody until they found him and it was, it was like Arab Shabbat. And he says, listen, I can read everything but I can't read the, the name of the guy and, I, and, I, and I, I can't give you my full translation on the official stamp of the Austrian uh, Empire. So I'm writing that in the translation, what it says, that you are an Austrian citizen and everything, but I can't read it, which means it could be forged. So when they brought it to the secretary of the general consular, counselor, whatever, of, uh, in, in, in Istanbul, he began to have doubts on, on, uh, on Rav Nosen. Why are you traveling? Why are you going to Israel? Don't you know that our emperor, the Austrian emperor, doesn't like when people go from here, from their country, Austria, to Israel, and by doing that, taking out money? In other words, he's against snores. He's against people who collect staka for Eretz Israel. You know that our emperor is like that? So Rav Nosen got worried. He says, I'm just planning to go in and come back. That's all. He said, maybe you guys are spies and everything. I don't know. It's all forged. Come back Monday. So Rav Nosen says, what he went through Friday, Shabbat, Sunday, Monday, he was plotting. Rav Nosen was plotting, and he says that. And, he, and, and Rav, this is Rav Nosen. Like, Rav Nosen is someone who davens every day, he puts on Rashi, Rabbeinu Tam, goes to the mikveh, he does all his avodat Hashem, and he's telling us the pain he's going through, that he, that he was like blank. And he said he didn't know what to do, he was so scared that he'll be stuck there and imprisoned because the fear was big. You know, if you're in, you're in a foreign country, Istanbul, he said, by Pere Adam. These are, the Ishmaelim are Pere Adam, he calls them. They're wild people there. And he has no one to help him there. Like, no one on his side. It's a foreign country. And if they suspect him of being like a spy and everything on, on false uh, documents, he can be imprisoned for life. So Rav Nosen was panicking. He says that. And he says that all he could do was cry to Hashem. And he cried. He went out. He said he went to uh, to the attic where he was staying, and he just cried out to Hashem. What else is he gonna do? And then on Monday, he said the miracle happened. They came to the consulate, and they had waiting for them two new visas plus a translation into Arabic, just in case they needed for Egypt, wherever they're planning to go, any Arab country, they have a translation into Arabic. Okay. What's the point? A few points come out of this. That of Nosen, a normal person today in such a situation, what do they tell him? Go ask a Rav. Go ask a Rav. Go ask a Rav. What did they do? Go ask a Rav. Rav Nosen could ask the Rav. He said, they asked the chief rabbi of Dashkenazim in, uh, in Galita of Istanbul back then in the 1820s. He could have done that. He didn't ask a Rav. Why didn't he ask a Rav, number one? Because he knew that you have to go to Eretz Yisrael. It's not a doubt. And if there's obstacles, the obstacles are not also, maybe it's a sign I shouldn't go. The obstacles are obstacles. I know I have to go. And it doesn't help asking. If you ask, what's going to happen? Makes it even worse. The Rav's going to say for sure not to go. And in Rav Nosen's case, everyone's telling him, don't go, don't go, don't go. It's dangerous, it's war and everything. Number two, you see what Rav Nosen did. There are times, you know, like we were talking about being besimcha, being besimcha, being besimcha. But there are times when you're being squeezed so much from all the corners that the only thing you can do is to cry out to Hashem. You can't even think about being besimcha. You can't even, the advice of being happy doesn't work. It's not activated. All you can do is to cry out, right? This crying out is the opening for other things. But this is part of life. This is how it works. That when a person is squeezed, so the Yetzirah will make him feel, ah, you're like dejected, you're a reject, you're a deject, 
you're nobody, nobody wants you, nobody cares about you, your life is a failure, you got nowhere, look, look where you were holding now, everything led up to this and it's not working out, so your whole life is just a big failure. If everything you went through in life led to this setback, that means your whole life is a failure. That's what Yetzirah tries to tell the person. It's a big test. And uh, you can't even be happy at that time. This, this application of Simchat HaMitzah doesn't apply. For this reason, Rav Nosson says, there are times that the only way to come to true Simcha is Vayitz'aku al Hashem Batsar Lahem Mimitzukotehem Yatsilehem Yoshiem Psalm 107, the capital 107 of Hodu we see on Friday, Erev Shabbos. Rav Nosson says, the salvation comes about through Vayitz'aku al Hashem. You have to cry to Hashem. And then this, the opening leads to, there's an opening of salvation. That's when it kicks in the hoda'ah, the simcha and the giving thanks. But at a time when it's totally black, you have no other alternative than to, to cry out. So Ben HaMitzarim, these three weeks, they're a very special time to squeeze a person. <laughs> it's a very good time to get a person squeezy, you know, to squeeze out the juice out of him, to squeeze him like a sfog, to squeeze him out, so that his inner desires come out. That's, that's what it says again, right? We said this already. All those who rodef ka want to come closer to Hashem, yudke, are his masig vavke by completing yudke vavke. When ben emetzarim, between the tightness, when you have a wall, like Rashi says, what's ben emetzarim? There's a wall here and there's a wall here and there's nowhere to turn. When you feel you in those situations, the only thing you do is to cry to Hashem, and that's what they're expecting of you to do. And if you do that, the relief afterwards is unbelievable. And then Hashem opens your eyes to see openings. And if you don't see an opening, it's because Hashem wants to excuse you a bit more and a bit more because He knows He can get more out of you, more prayers and more krechts that's, that's needed for your situation to bring you where He wants to bring you. So there's, it's like the salvation is taking its time. Why, why is the money coming in? Why is it this? Why is what's happening? Like all these type of difficulties and obstacles and until you, you, you can't handle it anymore, until you just break out. That's what Hashem was waiting for all along for that time. Why do you have to go through that? Right? This is the way. The way Hashem designed a you Jew, the Neshama. You can't understand that, right? Hashem wants a broken heart. Lev nishbar venitke, elokim lo Lev nishbar venitke, a broken heart, right? And also daka, poor, submitted. Hashem doesn't insult. Ajab, Hashem honors a person who has a broken heart. The broken heart is something so precious. And Rav Nosin writes this, and I think Rabbeinu says that a Jew walks around today with a broken heart, who has a broken heart, it's a big ma'ala. It's a big, big schut, someone who has, was able to have a, 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 real, a real broken heart. Just off tangent, I just heard something amazing this week. It was a couple, for eight years, didn't have kids. Okay? And this year, they're breast livers, okay? The wife, she davened in the, the breast of Shul in Sharim, I think on Yom Kippur or Rosh Hashanah. And she was next to an incident where there was one lady who was getting embarrassed. Something happened there, and she was being insulted and embarrassed. And she was like, she wasn't answering back. So this lady, who didn't have kids for eight years, she told the lady who got embarrassed, please give me a bracha right now. You're being cleansed big time. Give me a bracha that I should have kids. And she just had a baby boy right now. Eight months later, mama had a baby boy. Unbelievable. Because they say the, the bizayon that a person goes through is such a cleaning 
and at that time to daven and do anything is so high. You have, I may mention this a long time ago, there's a very deep Kabbalistic commentary on the Chumash. It's called Echal Bracha from the Komarna. The Komarna Rabbi, it's very deep. It's all Kabbalah. He writes an introduction to his Chumash commentary. Anybody with eyes can see that these Chidushim could not have been written by a human being. These are not coming from a normal human being's capacity to write such Chidushim. And he says, I agree, it's, not, it's the truth. How did these Chidushim come about? He said, because he was the rub of a community and he was always being embarrassed. And he took the opportunity when he was embarrassed, right after being embarrassed, he would go to his uh, little base midrash, his little study, and Chidushim would start coming down from heaven like crazy. All these Chidushim, he said, the, whole, the, the majority of the Hechal Bracha Chidushim on the Chumash are from the embarrassments that he, that he went through. Okay? Just to show you where, where it's happening there, okay? We have to say all this because a person has to hold on. And a Jew has to go through what he has to go through. It's part of their growth. And you shouldn't say, why is Hashem doing this to me? I, I'm, I'm, like, I'm a reject. I'm dejected. I'm, I'm not wanted. It's just the opposite. It's because you're onto something so close. So it's, it's what it says in Echa. Dom Hashem. Just be silent and wait patiently for the salvation. But I can't wait. They're killing me. I'm going to blow up. I'm not going to end though, right? You have to wait. Hold on, buddy. Hold on. And just wait for the good time to come and visit Hashem. Everything that was lost, Samchenu Kimot Initanu. Bring us joy, commensurate to the, the days that I suffered. Inui. Samchenu Kimot Initanu. Bring us Simcha according to the days that we had uh, suffering and, and difficulties. Then we have the payback, Bezat Hashem. Even in this world. Not necessarily just to wait for the world to come, but in this world, even Bezat Hashem. All right, we're going to continue. There's so much to talk about here. We're now, again, continuing uh, where we left off. Likutei Moran, Lesson 24, Paragraph number 4. That Rabbeinu, Rabbi Nachman, brings two psukim to explain, to show the connection between blessings and the hands, the concept of the hands. When a Jew, just a recap, when a Jew activates the light of the hands, how's the hands activated? When a Jew does a mitzvah besimcha, is able to elevate the mitzvah and the shekhinah and the joy of Am Yisrael out of the galut, out of the klipot, and it goes to the level of the legs, which means it's, rep- it's, it's a representation. What does it mean that the mitzvah goes to the level of the legs? That now the, the mitzvah has movement. It can get things moving in the world. And the person's mitzvah has ramifications, has repercussions throughout the whole world. Okay, that's good. So it's shaking. It's getting things, good things happening. Okay, in this way we can, it was a good thing what Chabad did, the mitzvah tank and the whole idea there, the Chabad with Rabbi Shreem was very into thing, getting used to the mitzvah because the mitzvah is what gets people to wake up. Yes, it's a big thing to get people to do mitzvot and to encourage mitzvah performance. Here Rabbeinu's chidush is mitzvah performance with simcha. Enjoy, that's the whole thing, to do it with simcha with Hashem. Okay, when now the legs are aroused, in other words, the, the mitzvah has movement, momentum, then a person is ready through his mitzvot to receive brachot. That's the idea that the mitzvah goes up to the level of the hands. Hands represent bracha. There are, now the hands can be opened and closed, right? The idea of a hand is you can close it and you can open it. The idea of an open hand is to receive and the, 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 the sorry, to, to give, to, to, no, to receive. And the closing is that you're not receiving anymore. You're not in receiving mode. Also by the person's side, you're, you're not giving 
but you're but you're uh, you're you're uh, you're 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 receiving. You know they say about a baby they're born. How how's a baby born? With the fists closed, and then when the person dies, the hands are are open, right? Because the the person his whole life is I want, I want, I want. When a person is I want, he can't receive bracha. By the way, is that is that cool? It's two things which mean two opposites which are the same thing. When a person closes his hands, so in other words, I want for myself. So he's no longer able to receive brachot. If his hands are closed, he can't receive. But when a man opens his hands to give, he's, the hands are open out to receive also at the same time. It's two opposites. Isn't that cool? It's opening to give, and the secret to receiving is giving. So that's what he's saying here, that the feet lead up to the arms, mean the, the momentum that you did, that your mitzvah went to get other people in the whole world to wake up, that means you're concerned in helping other people through your mitzvot. So now it, it's a payback to you that now you have open hands, which is idea of giving, but you're also now receiving the brachot. So now, at this point, Rabbeinu shows us two psukim like we saw already, to show the connection between the hands and blessings. Right? So he said in the middle of paragraph number four, V'ikar ha-brachot miyadayim. And the essence of the blessings come from the hands. Bivchinat, like what it says in Vayikra. Okay, Tet, Parshat Shmini. Right, we went through this a lot last time, last two, last two classes. Vayisa aharon et yadav ve'varechem. Parshat Shmini, sorry, on the inauguration of the Mishkan, the tabernacle on Rosh Chodesh Nisan, after the Jews offered all the korbanot. It says there, right, we went into this a lot last week, if you remember. And Aharon lifted his hands, et yadav, to el ha'am. You hear that? It's to the nation that is vayvarachem. Here, Rabbeinu wants to tell us that bracha, even for Aharon, comes from the hands, but Aharon's hands opening is to give brachot. What we just mentioned now, that when you have the hands open to give, you're actually receiving, it's hinted in this verse. Because he wants to show you, Rabbi Nachman, that hands open is receiving bracha, and the pasuk he brings proves the opposite, of the opening of the hands of Aaron to give bracha, not to receive the bracha. But Rabbeinu is using this idea of Aaron opening his hands to give bracha, to give, 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 as the, as the proof of the idea of receiving, receiving bracha of the hands. Now watch this. There's something amazing that, that came out now. Rabbi Nachman is so deep. Okay, He brings psukim. He wants you to do the research. Here, he brings two psukim, two verses, to prove the same idea. Why? What's, what's happening here? So he, Rabbi Nachman wants and likes that you do investigative work. He wants you to dig and to find hints. He doesn't say something explicitly. He'll hint to it. He'll say something clearly. But other points, he'll hint to them. And he wants you to, to figure them out. Nafkamina will come out that it, it sticks out more, the implication of the message that he wants to give out. There's more details now. So here, Aaron, who was Aaron? Aaron became the Kohen Gadol. When he gave the blessing in Parashat Shmini, this is after Aaron is already wearing the eight garments. And part of the eight garments is what? The Choshen Mishpat. And we said, if you remember, that why did Aaron merit to the Choshen Mishpat, which is also called Urim Vitumim. Why is it called Urim Vitumim? Why is the breastplate called Urim Betumim? Because it shines light. Urim is or, okay? 
it shines the infinite light and its message is tamim. Urim tumim. it gives a complete message. That's what Rashi says. Rashi says it's called Or. It shines an answer. When, when, when they didn't know, should we go to war, should we not go to war? All the questions they asked when Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't around. And Yoshua Binun brought the Jews into entering the Holy Land. Whenever a move was needed for the whole Am Yisrael to go to war, not to go to war, to do this. So Yoshua to ask Hashem the question in front of Al-Azhar, the, the, the high priest, the son of Aaron HaKohen. And the letters would shine on the, on, the, on the stones, on the breastplate, due to the cloth, the parchment of Hashem's name, which was in the fold in between. It was like folded, right? The, the breastplate, the Choshem Mishpat, was folded like this. It was like a long piece, folded in half. Inside was Hashem's name on parchment. And on one side, they would embed the 12 stones. So, and that was put on the, on the, on the chest of the, of the Kohen Gadol. And the letters would shine from the 12 tribes, okay? So this light of message, of clarity what to do, is like for every Jew in life. When you don't know what to do, and you want to make sure you're doing the right thing. You'll ask one Rav, you ask another Rav, you know, they, they, they tell you everyone, ask a Rav. Right? And they, they say, Yiftach bedoro, Kishmuel bedoro. Ask your Rav. You have a Rav of the generation? Ask him. The question is, how do I know that my Rav is the Rav of the generation? How do I know that my Rav is the Yiftach of this generation and the Shmuel of this generation? Rav Nosson says, because you don't know, you don't know who's the real Tzaddik who has this Ruach HaKodesh, because you would think, just ask a Rav, and Hashem will give him the Ruach HaKodesh. Uh, is, that, is that really the case or not? Is my Rav at the capacity that he's holding at the level of being a Tzaddik of a generation that his answer is like clearly, clearly Ruach HaKodesh, clearly Amit Lamito, or not? I don't know. Because you don't know, so we have no choice but to do Hidbodidut and ask Hashem. And through asking Hashem, Hashem sends you the messages what to do. Sends you, speak to this rabbi, speak to this person. It comes about to the Hidbodidut and you go with the flow. You all go with it. I'm open. I'm open for everything because, anyways, I already asked Hashem for guidance and I was sincere. So, how Rav Nassim says, how life develops afterwards, you can be confident and rest assured that this is, a, this is the answer to your questions that you asked, according to Hashem's Ahmed Bezat Hashem. So, Urim Betumim is that idea. The idea of the breastplate is shining a clear answer. No doubts. That's Urim Betumim. Another thing they say, well, it's. You're to have a rough, to for have sure. A it says twice a Selechara. We went into this one class. You were in that class. Tistalek Mina Safek and Ukle Lechachaver. Tistalek Mina Safek is a Rav for Halacha. When you have Halacha questions and you don't know what to do, you have a Rav for Halacha. And the second one, the Maral says this, the Maral, this is the Maral explanation, Maral of Prague, Uknelech is the Rav who is like a tzaddik of Hashkafa, he's guiding you. So Rav Nosen wrote right before he passed away, and it's in his last discourse in the Kutel Achot, in Rosh Chodesh Allah Chazayin. Rav Nosen says like this, Asenech Rav, make yourself a Rav. And if you don't know who that Rav is, who is the Rav who has the capacity to help someone as low as myself? A Rav for Tzadikim and people, good people, normal people, fine, they're, they're Rabbanim and Tzadikim for them. But I know what I've gone through in my life, all the upside downs and the confusions, is the Rav that I'm going to, can he match what I'm going through in my life? I don't know. So Rav Nosen says, if you don't know who that Rav is, so in the meantime, ukne lecha chaver. Kneh means, translates as, and acquire, lecha, 
for yourself a friend. So Rav Nosen explains it like this. If you don't know who the tzaddik is, you don't know who he is. So in the meantime, kneh also means a quill, a kumus. Kneh is a kumus. Lecha chaver. The sfarim written with a pen by definite true tzaddikim. What is the proof that these sfarim were written by true tzaddikim? Is that you feel they're talking directly to you. They relate to you even though they were written 100 years ago, 200 years ago. Wow. That's exactly what I need to hear right now. It's exactly what I'm going through in life right now. I can't believe it. There's like Ruach HaKodesh in this farm. If you see this farm are talking to you better than any living Rav, so in the meantime, you have no other alternative until you find that Rav who is the Yiftach Bedoro, Kishmuel Bedoro. He's that tzaddik who can guide me. So in the meantime, I have to I have this farm. I have no other alternative. What can I do if this farm understand me better than the Rabbanim have access to? What can I do? Yeah, halacha is pretty clear. Halacha, no one takes the laws into their own hands. When you have a halacha question, is because you lack knowledge of halacha. You lack shimush to know. Ah, these cases have come up a lot of times. I know the halacha is here, like this and this and that. Basar bechalav, a meat spoon and a, and a mil- milk pot, and there was onions and this and that. And I don't remember the halacha, or many things I don't remember the halacha. Even if I know halacha. I'm not 100% sure and confident that this is the halacha. So for sure you have to ask a Rav. Here it's a lack of knowledge. But in Hashkafa, where the Rav now is putting your whole life in his hands, your whole future, should you marry this girl? Should you put your kids in education? Should you dress like this? Should you move to Eretz Yisrael? Should you do separate jobs? Your whole future, should I go to Uman or not? <laughs> your whole life now is in the hands of this Rav. Who am I putting my my life in the hands of who? Is he holding, is he at that level? Is it the Yiftach Bedoro? Is the Shmuel Bedoro? I don't know. Okay? But Rabbenzion Apter, he was a breast lover in Poland. He came from a very uh, non-Brestler family, even a bit uh, Hasidim, but Misnagdim. And he began to tell his father when he was like a young boy, like before Bar Mitzvah or after Bar Mitzvah, I have a, he, like, he, had a, he was like a Mevakesh. I'm burning to serve Hashem. And nothing, nothing you give me is satisfying me. Even in the Talmud Torah and the Cheder and Shabbos and the, the, the Mashpim and the Darshanim, nothing is talking to me. I want more. So he brought him to the Rebbe. So the Rebbe said to him, why can't you just be like everybody else? Why do you have to give your father such a hard time? <laughs> he said, I'm, what, 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 what did I do that's so wrong? So he said, okay, I'll give you a Sefer. He gave him Noam Elimelech. He said, read Noam Elimelech. He read it, and he said, it's great, but it doesn't talk to me. After he finished reading, he came back to this Rebbe. He said, it's great, but it doesn't talk to me. He says, you can't just be like everybody else. You can't be satisfied with that. He said, I'm looking for more. It's not talking to me. He said, I'll give you Sefer Tanya. He gave him the book Tanya, and he read the Sefer Tanya. He said, it's great, but again, I feel something is missing. He said, I have one more Sefer. If this Sefer doesn't help you, then I have no idea what can help you. And he gave him the Likutei Moran. And when he read the Likud Moran, his eyes opened up. He flipped out. He says, I finally found somebody who can relate to me, can understand me, and, and open my eyes to what I'm looking for. Okay, this is this, 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 this is a story that a person, yeah, you need to do a lot of searching to find the right address. It takes time, each person. Even here, it didn't answer who the right answer, who that address is. We left it open. But the point is, you don't know. You, have, you don't have no one who can talk to you. And, but the Sfarim do talk to you more. So in the meantime, Kneh 
lecha chaver. Okay. Let's go on here. Yeah. Kne is as also a pen. Kne the sfarim the books which were written with a a kumus a pen a quill. Kne lecha chaver. Lecha you titchaber attach yourself. Chaver means attach yourself to the books which were written by Devanitzah until you find that tzaddik who can talk to you better than the svarim. If you can find a tzaddik who gets to you better than the svarim, so you found your address. But in the meantime, so learn the svarim. They do talk to you in the meantime until you find that tzaddik, that rebbe, who can go into you, go into your neshama and relate and, and, and connect to you and give you the inspiration you need in life and the guidelines. This was Aaron. Aaron had the choshen mishpat on his heart. Okay, it had the urim betumim. Urim betumim, Rav Nassim says, it's every Jew. Every Jew, he says, he says about this farm, by the way, he says, the lighting of the letters of the Choshen Mishpat is what happens when a person's learning a farm of true tzaddikim, and he feels like the letters are jumping out at him. The letters jumping out at him, like as if he's talking directly to you, is the idea of the shining of the letters on the Choshen Mishpat. Rav Nassim says that, okay? And the message is coming from the Urim Betumim. Urim is plural. Or is one. You can say Orot or Orim. Orim is really plural of Or. There's one light and there's a second light. There's the infinite light. And then there's your light of receiving the infinite light. Tumim is some of the Lashon of Tmimut. That only someone who has Tmimut, simplicity, honesty can pick this up. That's the condition. The condition that the letters stick out and shine to you, is you have the tmimut, the urim betumim. You got that? So Aharon had this. <coughs> you remember we said last class, how did Aharon get that? Because v'racha v'samach belibo, that Moshe was worried, how could you Hashem make me prophet over my older brother, Aharon, who's already a prophet in Egypt? He says, you don't, you're underestimating your brother. You don't know the greatness of Aharon. Aharon is so great, that even if his younger brother reaches a higher level than him, no jealousy at all. The Torah says that. He'll see you when you come back to Egypt to take the Jews out of Egypt. He'll be happy to see you. He won't be upset. And, and that Rashi says, from the, because of the joy in his heart, he married it to the Choshe Mishpat, which we said last time, that this is the true Simcha, that a Jew has Simcha in the heart, is where he's happy for other people. He's not like, I didn't make it, my life is miserable. So I'm envious of that person. When a person, for example, has Shalom Bite issues, so it is when he sees on the street a family walking, the father and the mother and the eight kids and the, and the roller and everything, he gets jealous because his family is like falling apart and he sees another family walking down and they look happy and they're smiling and they're talking and everything. He doesn't get to do all that with his family. So how does he begin to, what's the normal tendency of a person? A normal tendency of a normal human being is what? To feel envious. To feel envious. What can I do? He's, look, he has something that I don't have. A person has this, a person's able to get up davening nets for like 50, 60 years, and you try as much, as much to get up once a year and a month to get up for nets, and you can't, and it's a killer. So you begin to have envious. It's like, in a way, kinat sofrim, but it's envy, it hurts you, okay? Here, the Gemala of Aaron, he was so looking at what Hashem gave him that he had no time to start digging in other people's lives. He has this, he has that, and that. he had no time for that. This is Aharon's greatness, okay? So now, this joy of the lev of Aharon, let him merit to have 
the stones of the Choshe Mishpat, which shown the message. The stones were made up of who? The 12 tribes, right? Watch this now. So the Pasuk Rabbeinu said is what? Aharon, who has the Choshe Mishpat on him, the light of the orange soft, the infinite light shining, and the brachot, give the, the capacity of brachot, he's the one giving the bracha, to, raising his hands to the army, giving the bracha. And then Rabbeinu brings a second Pasuk, Katuv, and like it says, Midei Avir Yaakov Misham Ro'e Even Yisrael. Let's go back to what we said last week. You remember? The Midigmara on this Pasuk. This Pasuk is the bracha given in Parashat Vayechi to Yosef. Ya- Yaakov, before passing away, he gives brachas to the 12, to the 12 sons. And here, there's a few psukim of, Yaakov, of Yosef's bracha. Ben Puat Yosef, Ben Puat Aleayin, all these psukim. And then it says, right, that, that he married it to have gold on his arms. Vayafozu, right, Vayafozu Zerav, I forgot the wording of the Pasuk. Vayafotsu Zerayadav, Vayafotsu, Vayafotsu, Vayafozu, I have to see the Pasuk again. But he had gold, Rashi says, he got the gold on his hands, and when he became the Viceroy of Egypt, right, and all the levels there. And then it says, at the end of all these brachas, Midei Avir Yaakov. All this was due to the hands of the strength of Yaakov. From there, which is a good question, what is from where? From where? From the Yadayim. So say Mehem, plural. Why Misham? What's the wording Misham? There is a place, and Yadayim is like a thing. Say Mehem or something. Misham. What's Misham? It's going on the Avir. Let's see. Ro'e Evan Yisrael. Ro'e is a shepherd. Evan, Yosef married to become the shepherd for the strength of Israel. Evan is father and son. Avu Ben, that's one combination. But Yosef married to become the one to take care of the flock of the Jewish people while they were in Egypt. That's the pshat, okay? And we said, you remember this? That the, the, the Gemara says in Sota that, that Yosef almost fell into his temptations to be with Potiphar's wife, right? And what happened? The image of Yaakov came at the window. And what did he say to him? Do you want to lose your name on the stones of the Choshe Mishpat? Question asked by all the Mepharshim. Why did Yaakov pick this? Why did Yaakov tell Yosef, do you, want to, what, do you want to lose your portion in the world to come? Do you want to have karet? Why did he pick something more serious? Why did he pick this? Because it fits in exactly what we just said about Aaron. Right? Aaron and the Choshe Mishpat. And what it serves, the whole idea of the Choshe Mishpat is through the Simcha Talev, or the Simcha in the heart, by doing the Mitzvah B'Simcha, it's able to shine the messages of the Orient, the infinite light into a person in his life. There's something very powerful, by the way. When, when Rav Nosen says, having the infinite light shine in your life is the concept of Hashem giving you advice. Hashem guiding you according to the Emet Lamito. We went into this in the last, I think, two, two weeks ago. There's making decisions in life according to the emes, the emet of the Torah, and it was called the emes or emes, the emet lamito, the real truth. It depends on you. If you want the truth, so you, like you said, you ask a rab, you have regular things, that's the truth. You want the real truth, which means you want the infinite light shining into your life, and that way you don't need a dead end mistake after 10, 20, 30, 40 years. You want the real truth? Ah, that's the light of the, that's infinite light, that's a higher level. Yaakov was telling Yosef, you want to lose your name on the stone of the Choshen Mishpat? 
meaning what? You want to lose the ability of being guided according to the emet lamito? Do you want that to happen? <laughs> that woke him up. When he heard, when Yosef saw the image of his father, and he scared him that you're going to lose your part in the Choshen Mishpat. You're going to lose your capacity to have access to the infinite light. When you're going to, which means you're going to lose your ability to connect to the true, the real truth, to have true guidance, Urim Betumim, which is the infinite light. As soon as he heard that, that there's a possibility he'll continue living, but a life of Sheker, that woke him up. Okay? So the, the, the Pasuk says, Midei Avir Yaakov. What's saved? By Yafotsu, they said that the the seed of ya- Yosef came out of his ten fingers. We said this last week, remember? That he, was, he had an erection. He was about to have a relationship with Potiphar's wife. But he saw the image and he cooled himself down by, by, by putting the pressure on his ten fingers. Okay? And then it said that the actual seed came out of the ten fingers, in between the ten fingers, exactly, I don't know, exactly from the nails, whatever. I didn't see the, the commentaries go into details about that. But it went out of the fingers instead of coming out normally. Okay, so he wasn't punished for wasted seed. There's no wasted seed here. All this was because of who? Midei Avir Yaakov, from the hands of the strength of Yaakov. How does the Gemara explain it? Abiru, the strength of Yaakov, not Hashem. The Pshat is, Rashi says, this came to Yosef, to the hands of Abir, the strength of Yaakov, which is Hashem. But Abir Yaakov is also Yaakov's appearance. What is Abir, by the way? What is this term, Abir? What does it translate? What is Abir Yaakov? This was from the hands of Yaakov's champion. Champion means like a, a warrior. When we say someone is a champion, how do we say it in Hebrew? Abirut Lev. When someone has courage, he has guts. He has the strength to stand up. So we say he has abirut lev, strength of the heart. So this goes back to the heart that we said. When there's simcha in the heart, this gives a person the capacity to stand up to tests. Okay? So midei avir Yaakov, from the hands of the heart of Yaakov, natata simcha belibi, this is what caused the image to come to Yosef, right? Misham. From the image of Yaakov, Ro'e, what's Ro'e mean? Ro'e means a shepherd, but also Ro'e means what? Ro'e zonot. Ro'e zonot means someone who uh, accompanies uh, prostitutes. And Yosef almost fell to be called a Ro'e zonot. The Gemara says that also in Sota. Do you want to lose your title being the Ro'e, the shepherd of the Jewish people when they come to Egypt and be called Chasr Shalom if you fall on this test with Potiphar's wife to be called Ro'e zonot? Do you want that? So look at the Pasuk again. Midei Avir, from the hands of the heart, the strength of the heart of Yaakov. From there came Ro'e, Yosef, who was supposed to be Chas Shalom, Ro'e Zonot. Even the stone, what stone? The stone of the breastplate. Unbelievable. Even Yisrael. That he merited to have the stone of the breastplate. He held on to the Even, the, the stone which shone the light of the, of the Choshev Nishmat. So it just it fits in just amazing from all the corners how it fits in. And the point coming out is that the brachot came. You see, where is bracha mentioned here, by the way? It just says, midday, all this, it says, ben porat, so all the brachot, yes, before, all this is due to the hands of the strength of Yaakov. Here, like we said, Rabbein was hinting that when you have a tzaddik in your life, okay, like Yosef, you know, it's a big thing. Yosef now was about to fall into sin. 
Who saved him? The image of his father. That if it wasn't for the image of his father, he would have fallen to the temptation. So too it is with every Jew. There are certain temptations and situations in life that the tzaddik saves him. The image of a tzaddik wakes him up. What am I doing? I can't believe I'm wasting my life. And that's what saves him. There's a, a butcher here in Yerushalayim. He passed away. He was from Chicago originally. And before that, he was from Breslev. It was called Lazar's Meat. Lazar's Meat was the biggest kosher meat chain in Chicago in the 1950s, the 1960s. It was very big. Okay, he was he's able to run out from Ukraine. He was born in Breslev. He wasn't a Breslever. Okay. And he fled the pogroms to America. He came to Chicago and he started a, a meat business. And while there, he saw how many Jews fell off, one after the next. It was impossible at the time, before World War II, like in the 1930s, 1920s, it was almost impossible to be from and to make a living because you had to work six days a week, which meant uh, Monday to Saturday and Sunday was off. But you had to work on Shabbat. So many people gave up Shabbat because they had no mind, they had no food, no nothing. So he had such a temptation. He saw so many, so many Jews that fell off. And also when he got to Chicago, he put a notification, like a notice in the, the weekly like Yiddish Jewish newspaper. I'm looking at Achai Anim I'm looking for my brothers. Any, any fellow Ukrainian Jews from Breslev and from that area, so they, they got in touch and they made like a chabura and he saw they all fell off. They all were fried. They all, they all became non-religious. So he said the temptation was so strong to become like everybody else. Just stop, stop. Work on Shabbos, enjoy yourself, be secular. He said what stopped him? He said it was the image of his Rebbe when he was a little a child in Gun in, in, in kindergarten. The Rebbe from grade one, grade two, grade three, whatever, in the Cheder in, in Breslev, who was a wrestler, he said. He said, he just saw the image of his Rebbe and the Yot Shemaim on his face. He said, that stopped him. So I'm still comparing it, similar to, to Yosef. He was about to fall into the test, but the image comes to a person. This is such a gift that when you are close enough to a tzaddik, you can reach a point. This is, by the way, the measurement. How do you know if you are truly connected to a tzaddik? If when you are falling into a major test of temptation, especially Pigamabrit, and the tzaddik throws you like an image to stop you. Like Yaakov threw the image to Yosef to stop him. So too, that the tzaddik sends the person an image, wait a second, if you do this, you're going to lose everything. Because when a person does an avera, or about an avera, what the Gemara says, he tries to push off the machshavot of charata. The Gemara says this, when a person is about to sin, the yetzer, yetzer tov is on the corner. No one's listening. The yetzer tov is saying, but don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And the person like takes the yetzer tov, puts him in a box, closes it, and put him in the corner. Leave me alone. Let me do the bad that I want to do. You're not here, right? So this, the barometer, Rav Nosson writes, is that you're close, you're attached to a tzaddik, is that this thing happens and an image comes to you. In other words, a thought. It doesn't leave you. It's just standing right in front of you. If you do this, you're going to fall. You're going to lose everything. And that's what saves a person. And this comes about through the Simcha. Yosef was someone who was happy, right? It says, Haya Ish Matzliach. Remember this Pasuk? It says, both, both in Potiphar's house and in the jail, when he was in the jail, that he was Ish Matzliach. Yosef was Matzliach. What does that mean? That he took, in the nice word in English, a demeanor. He took a very happy demeanor. He had a very happy attitude, Yosef at Sadiq. 
And this joy is what saved him when he was faced with a Nisayon. And according to the laws of nature, he should have fallen in. Potiphar's wife wasn't, wasn't ugly. She was beautiful. If she was an ugly woman, I can understand why he would not want to be with her. But she was a beautiful woman, Potiphar's wife, okay? Potiphar was a big shot. The big shots in Egypt, they would take, they would take beautiful women. So Potiphar's wife was very beautiful, very attractive and everything. It was a test. It was a big test. What, what helped Yosef at Tzaddik is the simcha that he had. This simcha came out afterwards that his tzaddik, which was his father, Avir Yaakov, the strength, abut of the lev of Yaakov Avinu, the hands coming out of the heart, because where the heart is located is here, and the arms are the same level, these hands saved him, which then allowed for the bracha to come. So what Rabbein was adding here is that by Midi Avir Yaakov, the brachot that Yosef got, all the brachot, ben poat Yosef, ben poat aliyayin, all the brachot mentioned there in the beginning of the, of the blessing of Yaakov in Parashat Vayechi. And then what it led to, that he became, you know, uh, he became the, the shepherd and the, the viceroy and all, and had the gold on his hands and everything. All these brachot is due to Avir Yaakov, the hands of the, the strength of Yaakov, which is due to the simcha, which Yosef Atzadik maintained. And he stood up to the test, and Rabbein was adding, when a person stands up to a test like this, okay, it's, it's because of Simcha, number one. And number two, standing up to this test will activate all the brachot. So with all this, Rabbeinu connected Aharon, the Urbitumim, the heart, to Yaakov's, Yaakov's heart, Abir, saving Yosef HaTzadik and all the idea of the brachot. So we see from this how brachot are the idea of the hands. We finally finished this section. And hopefully next class we'll do the tefillah, Rav Nassim's prayer on this to, to be continued. Was that clear? Was it okay? It's a lot. Yeah, too much. Okay.